Welcome to River City Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co. We're going to look at a couple passages uh, with this theme or looking at a message that I've got put on my heart this week that I believe is uh, really not just a, a message of a, a topic, but a prophetic message for us as a church of uh, what God is going to do in this season and uh, really uh, us just positioning. But uh, it comes from Isaiah 22, and we're going to begin in verse uh, 20 through 22. And it says this, it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. Uh, he's going to be a steward of the king, a steward managing the household of Judah, the kingdom of Judah. And here's what God said of him as he was raising up this man named Eliakim. Uh, he says, I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to the house of Judah. And there's the key verse, uh, the key of the house of David, I will lay on his shoulder. And so he shall open and no one shall shut. He shall shut and no one shall open. Today's message is our doors are opening. Doors are opening. Uh, this is a message really of, of there was kind of a shift in seasons for, for the kingdom of Judah. Israel at this point uh, is in two kingdoms. Judah is uh, experiencing some problems with uh, leadership and, and problems at this time. And uh, I believe it, it, it's Hezekiah was king. Uh, Hezekiah was largely a good king, had some, had some problems and mistakes he made. But God was raising up a steward in his house, and he was uh, kind of replacing the, the current steward in the kingdom. And here's, here's his message to this guy. Eliakim's name means uh, that God would raise up, whom God raises up. And uh, it, it's, it's interesting because doors represent, and here he, he describes this authority. Of course, it's practical. It's, uh, for him, it's political. It had to do with uh, his responsibility as a steward in the kingdom. He says, you will open. I'm giving you the key of the house of David. You have responsibility, authority to open doors and to close doors. And what you open, and no one can uh, shut, and what you close, no one can open. And of course, this, uh, as we'll see in a moment, uh, points to what Jesus would later say in the book of Revelation. Before we get to that, uh, doors often often represent in Scripture uh, a season of change. So on, on our calendar, we're kind of going from one year, we're of course going from one year to another, and uh, you know, it's not as if uh, something, you know, mystically happens in the new year that all of a sudden, you know, uh, we're going to work out more than we did the year before. Uh, although you, it tends to be, or eat better, or although one of the things that happens in the month of January is oftentimes with the new year comes a sense of wanting to, especially after we overate at Christmas, um, comes this idea that we're going to see some change and see th- some things happen. And so that's why you oftentimes will see, uh, you'll see uh, a motivation and a desire among people to change and to experience change like maybe the, in areas that they haven't had it before. Uh, and so when seasons change, it's an opportunity. It's actually an invitation. And doors often represent a season of change or a change of seasons. It's a 
divine God-given opportunity. Sometimes this comes in the form of new relationships or new people that God brings in our life. Sometimes it comes in business opportunities, uh, ministry opportunities, opportunities to walk out our purpose, our God-given purpose. Uh, So I've got two very simple points for you uh, because ultimately, while this points to this man's responsibility, there's a greater picture in Scripture. It says of Jesus in Revelation chapter 3, it says that he has, this is chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts. He's quoting and referencing this, but pointing to who Jesus is. And in fact, Jesus himself, this is in red, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it. Number one, point number one today is prayer and praise. It opens doors. And here's what I want to tell you. Pray and praise until God opens the right door. As we position and prepare for change, I believe that that God, as we as we shift into a calendar year, we need to position our hearts to step into all that God has for you. Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing like many people some practical stuff to kind of reorder my schedule and you know get healthier, get you know a lot of the things. But it's so important that we keep the the first things first, and that we keep God first in our life in every area. And as we move into this new year, I want to challenge you to pray and praise. Prayer opens doors. Praise opens doors. Why? Because it's God that opens doors. These are the words of Jesus, and it's He's the one who has the key. He has the authority to open doors. He has the He has the authority. And when we pray, God creates opportunities for us to do what we are called to do. And so uh, this, I believe, is an invitation for us as a church. That's why I wanted to kind of speak into this today, because I believe that for us, God, God has opportunities for us that I don't want us to miss. And I don't want us to miss, even as we go into this year, as a church, you're going to hear about some things we're going to do in this year uh, that we're going to begin to step into. And I believe it's it's a part of us reaching North Iowa for Jesus. Uh, but, but all of us individually and as a church, we have opportunities I believe God wants to put in front of us. But we pray and we praise while we're waiting for the right door, but also it helps us to recognize the right door that God has for us. This is so important, church, because I, you know, as we move into this year, uh, this is actually a message uh, in, in, in Revelation chapter 3 here that Jesus then begins to tell. It's the church of Philadelphia. Uh, this is not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is Philadelphia in Asia Minor. Uh, it's a church that has had to, under great opposition, persecution, even resistance, has had to persevere. And Jesus says, I've set before you an open door. When we persevere, God opens doors that no man can open. He opens doors that no man can provide for us. Uh, and, and it's the persevering church that experiences the open door. So while we're waiting, though, what do we do? What we, we, that's where we learn to wait and trust. So sometimes when we're waiting for God to create an opportunity, or open a door, there's a season of delay that is about several things that I want to kind of address first because delay is something that nobody likes but it's necessary. Delay happens for one of three reasons. Delay first happens uh, because, you know, sometimes we're not at the right door. Uh, Are you with me? There's a lot of opportunities I would have taken, but I'm glad I didn't because Jesus shut the door. (laughs) 
God has the right door. And so we're going to pray and praise until God opens the right door in our lives. Doors open into new seasons when we've also learned while there's delay, while we're waiting for God to open a door, there's a season of delay that often has to do with us getting out of that place what God intends for us to learn. So I've had times where I've been praying, you know, maybe it was in a particular job or particular environment or season in life, and I'm praying, God, you know, change this, change that. And and all along the way, I'm, I'm missing what God wants to teach me while I'm there. Are, are you with me? So, so I think sometimes we're in a hurry uh, to change everything around us, and what God's really after, first and foremost, is changing something on the inside of us. Because I can change my environment and not have me change. And so God's after me changing first. God's after doing something on the inside of me. So when you receive in one season what God intends, God opens the door for the, for the next season. Uh, so, so, but here's, here's what I've also found. Faith is developed in waiting. You know, that's the part of faith. You know, faith is hearing God's word, believing God's word, but I've also grown my faith in waiting. Faith is as much receiving, you know, the instant miracles as it is in the waiting seasons where we're waiting for God to do what he has promised and we know he will. Uh, but when God, when God opens a door, we need to respond. So Acts chapter 12 uh, tell, gives us a, a picture of what happened in the early church. I love this story. Uh, it says in verse 1, this is a story initially of persecution against the church, but God did a tremendous miracle in it. It says, now about that time, Herod, uh, this is a different Herod, but than the Christmas story, uh, but this is uh, now about that time. Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So one of the first martyrs of the church is James, and because he saw it, that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also, and it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but here's what the church did, because here's why, see, the, I told you the first reason that, there's, that is, uh, doors are shut is there's delay, and it's God in, wanting to grow something in us, but that's not the only reason doors are shut. Sometimes there's doors shut because of opposition, and when, when, when it's, listen, if God's doing something in my life, I surrender. If the enemy's doing something against my life, I'm going to go to war, and prayer is not just, you know, it's not just having my needs met, it's warfare, it's offense, it's taking, it's taking the fight. And here's what the church does. Rather than panicking, rather than freaking out, rather than stressing out and worrying and trying to appeal to every effort and human uh, contrivance they can come up with, here's what they do. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. The response of the church to one of its first major Oppositions. I mean, this is this is a this is the 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 king uh, in Jerusalem has literally actively and openly murdered one of the church leaders and tried to you know Peter's next on the chopping block, and the church begins to pray. The church begins to cry out to God, begins to pray heaven down. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. You're never alone. 
Come on, church, you're never alone. You heard that already as we were singing today. He's God with us. You're never alone. No matter how dark it is, no matter how difficult your season is right now, you are not alone. While he's in prison, the doors are locked and shut. He's chained between two guards so that there's no chance that he can escape in their eyes. Watch what happens. Uh, the, the, he's, the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Verse 7, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, a light shone in the prison, and this angel angel struck Peter on the side on the side and raised him up and said get up quickly and his chains fell off his hands and the angel said to him gird yourself get dressed tie on your sandals and so he did he said to him put on your garment and follow me and as he went out he followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real he thought he's, he's seeing a vision or he's having a dream he doesn't know what's happening and, and when they were past the first and second guard posts they came to the iron gate that leads to the city which opened to them of its own accord. Come on, Jesus. They, they couldn't stop what God was doing in Peter's life. Every, and do you know why those doors open? Yes, the angel, yes, God did a miracle in setting Peter free, but you know what initiated it? The church was praying. Constant prayer was offered by the church. That word constant in Greek is a word that means to stretch out continually. It's a word that indicates intensity in prayer. So, so as we're praying, as we start this new year, I want to encourage you to, to even as you begin 21 days to say, God, what's something I'm going to pray for for my family that I want to see changed? What mountains do I want to see moved? What am I believing for you? What doors am I believing for you to open, God, in my life? You know, don't just pray for your own life. You can pray for others. God, God, what are you wanting to do? I'm telling you, God moves in response to prayer. Miracles happen when we pray. Constant prayer was offered by, by the church to God, and God set Peter free. Do you know the primary ministry of Jesus was in his three and a half years before he goes to the cross was actually prayer? It wasn't healing the sick. It wasn't raising the dead. It wasn't even him teaching. All of those things came out of him first spending time with the Father. It said he would often withdraw to pray. Now, now, the, the, the primary ministry of the early church was also prayer. Like that's, that's, it, was a, it was as natural to them as breathing. It wasn't a religious exercise. It was communication with God. It was time spent with God. So, so you may think, well, I can't pray like that. I, I can't, you know, I'm not religious. I'm not super spiritual. I'm not, you know, an intercessor that can pray for five hours straight. That's okay. You just meet with Jesus. You just take time every day to go be with God and watch what God will begin to do in your life. It's not something, you know, I've said it here many times. We don't want to be a church that prays. We want to be a praying church. So prayer is not an add-on, an auxiliary. Uh, it's, it's one of the main things because we want God to be the main thing. Because when God shows up, everything changes. Everything changes. So I want us to catch this because in the, in the delay, there's sometimes growth in our lives. While doors are shut, before they open, there's growth in our faith, growth in our character, growth in, our, in, 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 in godliness, drawing near to Jesus. There's also spiritual opposition that we're to resist in prayer. Uh, but there's also something that happens while we're waiting, and it's an increased desire for God. It's an increased desire and pursuit of God because at the end of the day, we're not chasing open doors. We're chasing the one who has the key. Are, are you with me? Because, you know, I, I've learned this along the way. I've, I've had seasons of my life where I've been very frustrated. God, why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening? You know, what do I need to do to change this, change that? I'm waiting. I'm knocking. I'm waiting for the doors to open. And I found the, 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 the key, the secret to joy is go be with Jesus, the one who holds the keys. 
Trust, that he, trust in his timing. Trust that he's going to work all things together for good, whether there's a fight or whether there's a, a, a waiting season of faith, that God is the one who's going to open the doors for us. And so while I'm waiting, while I draw near to Jesus, God begins to shape my own desires. And suddenly, you know what I found? There's some doors I was waiting for to open that I didn't need to open because God had a much better one. Do you know sometimes God says no to one door being open, but it's never, listen, if, if we don't understand the character of God, we'll think that a, a no or a shut door is God not being good. But it's actually his goodness that positions us for the right door. Because if we go through the wrong door, we'll miss the right door that he had planned. Does that, that make sense? It, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of no's that position me for a much better yes. There's a lot of shut doors that position you for a much better door. So whether, you know, something's not working out in business a certain way or certain friendships or relationships or, or something you believe God has called you to do, if there's a door that's shut right now, just know that God's got a much better door he's going to open. And so don't, don't be discouraged. Don't quit. Don't just know that your God's faithful. 1 Corinthians 16, uh, as Paul was writing to the Corinthian church and he's encouraging them to pray for him, and uh, he says, he says this, this great thing that I think is so important. He's actually, I believe, if I remember right, he's ministering in Ephesus, writing to the Corinthians. But here's what he tells them. He says, for a great and effective door has opened to me. A great an effective door. That word great in Greek is literally mega. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about it this morning. One of my favorite games growing up was Mega Man. And uh, you, you don't know pain and suffering until you've played Mega Man on the old Nintendo. My kids think they're playing video games. There's no, there's no challenge to what they're playing now. It's like basically watching a video, you know, go, go play Mega Man and watch your character die like 45,000 times. Uh, but <laughs> that made me nothing for anybody else but me and Jason. Okay. Uh, but but here's, here's the word he's using, mega. He's saying there's a great door, a mega door. There's a great and effective, powerful opportunity that God is opening in response to prayer, but there's many adversaries. And he says, God is opening this door to me. This is uniquely, Paul is saying, this is a unique opportunity to me. And I believe that God opens Unique doors, unique doors that are just right for you. They're not right for somebody else. Don't ever worry about why something's not happening in your life like it's happening in somebody else's. Oh, church, if, if we could just, we could stop looking at everybody around us and stop worrying about why we think God isn't doing something because what's happening in their life isn't what's happening in our life right now. Their door isn't your door. <laughs> their door is not your door. And so here's what you got to recognize. His door is just right for you. A great and effective door is open to me, but P.S., by the way, there's many adversaries. Don't ever think it's not a God thing because there's not a fight over it, because there's a fight over it. Don't ever think that something isn't the will of God because, you know, I don't, I don't know where we got this idea, you know, um, that for something to be God, it has to be easy. I'm actually telling you, sometimes the biggest fight's over the best door. <laughs> And I just, I know some of what 
people, even in our own church family, have been walking through in this last season. And I'm telling you, the fight is for reason. The enemy's been fighting some people so hard, trying to discourage, trying to defeat, trying to confuse, trying to get you to quit. Why? Because he knows that there's a great door that God's opening. And if we get caught up in the fight instead of recognizing, see, we magnify the enemy and forget there's a great and effective door. What does Paul magnify? He, he almost adds it as a side note. Like, there's a great and effective door. Oh, yeah, by the way, there's some, there's some adversaries. There's many adversaries. So, so pray because he's, he, what, what's he praying for? He's praying that he would respond to the opportunity that God was providing that God would give him the grace to walk through it, that God would, God would help him to step through the door. And I just want to tell you, where the fight is the greatest, the opportunity is the strongest. Where, where the enemy's trying to hit you the hardest, uh, I've seen this even in lives where there's been all kinds of stuff that's been trying to, come on, the devil is more discerning sometimes than we are. That may seem weird to you, but I'm just telling the truth. Sometimes the enemy knows more than we do what God has intended. And that's why he's fighting you so hard. But that's, I don't say that to magnify what the enemy's doing, but to magnify, listen, you've got to see God's got a door for you. God's got an opportunity for you. Don't get caught up in, in the fight. Don't get caught up and discouraged by, and don't grow weary. Know that God has something in store. There may be many adversaries, but there's a great and effective door. Now, number two, let's get practical. How do you recognize and respond when God opens a door? I think that's where most people get stuck. How do I know it's God? You know, I think the most common question people have is, what's God's will for my life? Well, if, you know, usually we, we, we mean like, you know, what job should I take? Where should I live? Who should I marry? You know, those, those kinds of things. And all that's a part of that. But, but we recognize that God has an op- opportunity. He has open doors that he provides for us. But we've got to recognize, is this God or is this not God? Because I don't want to waste time. I've wasted enough time going through the wrong door. How about you? three of us. Okay. I, I, I've wasted enough time banging on doors trying to get them to open that God's actually shut. Remember, he opens doors that no one can open, and he shuts doors. So, so when God opens a door, there's no devil in hell that can stop it. When he shuts a door, there's no... Stop worrying about your boss to, to, to like you more. I mean, be a better employee. But anyway... But, but stop worrying about, listen, I've, had, I've, I've literally been in positions where I, I've had to deal with like straight, and I know it was a spiritual battle. It's like, you know, it's funny when you show up to a place, like every demon starts manifesting. Anyway, it's even worse when you work for him. Oh, no, okay, I'm joking. Um, but but here's, here's, the, here's the reality. You keep doing what God's called to do no matter how people treat you. You keep doing what God's called you to do no matter how people, because you, you're not working for, you're working for God. So, so recognize, but he's also the one that opens doors. He's the, ones that shut, he's the one that shuts doors. He's the one that opens doors. And so how do we recognize and respond when God opens a door? I want to give you two stories uh, before we uh, pray. Acts 16. Acts 16 is Paul, as he's traveling, uh, is about to have a dramatic redirection. In Acts 16, verse 6, now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. It almost seems weird because the last thing Jesus told the church was go into all the world. So you think just based on the last thing that God had said that why would there be a no? 
Why would there be a closed door? Why would there be anything from the Holy Spirit to say, I don't want you to go here. The door's shut. He actually, it says, the Holy Spirit forbid them. Verse 7, and when they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, didn't permit them. So they've had two doors shut. So passing by Mycenae, they came to trust. He's not just giving their itinerary, but there's a purpose in what he's telling us. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Did God care about these other places? Absolutely. He was going to send somebody else to them. But Paul would have missed the next thing. Watch what happens. He gets this dream, and he goes to verse 10. Now after we'd seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Do you know Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? Much of what Paul wrote was written to churches he would start after this. And, you know, if you look at Paul, Paul's story, he's probably one of the most effective people ever in church history to walk out what God had called them to do. In a very short time, he turned the world upside down, but he could only do that because he was where he was supposed to be, doing the thing he was supposed to do. But before he got that yes in that open door, there were a couple no's. Now, a lot of people get stuck somewhere in the middle there. They get frustrated. God, why do you keep saying, you know, I thought this relationship would work this way, and the door shut. I, I, I thought this business relationship was going to work. I thought this, you know, I, I thought this thing in ministry was going to happen, or this in, in church. I thought this, and the door was shut, and we go, God, why? Oh, why? Why did they leave? Why did they say this? Why did they? Stop focusing on the shut door and know that God has an open door. You'll miss the open door as long as you're preoccupied with what's not happening. Now, church, come on. I, I, I'm telling you. But the good news was Paul, Paul has a dream. And in the dream, it's, you know, God makes it plain as day. Come over to Macedonia. You know, I, I think if, if our heart is open to God and we're, we're yielded to Jesus, it's a lot harder to miss God's will. So we get, oh, oh, am I going to miss the will of God? Am I gonna, I mean, I've, literally, I still get messages from people all over the country that I've, I've known and, and, and pastored. And, and I'm just worried about missing God's will with this. Go be with Jesus. He'll let you know. <laughs> and one of the number one ways, of course, we, need, we know God's will, number one, by knowing his word. We know his word. I, I've said this many times. If you want to know the will of God, get the word of God in your heart. Know his word. His word is his will. Now, of course, there's no Bible verse on, you know, who you're supposed to marry. I, I, I didn't open this up and find, and there was Bethlehem of Judea, and you're supposed to marry Jenna. Are, are you with me? Some, some of us are doing Bible roulette. Stop it. What's Bible roulette? You flip the Bible, and you just point. What's the will of God? That's not, that's not how... how <laughs> How it works. Now, that's not to say that there's times where I open my Bible and God takes me right to where I need to be and to hear exactly what I need to hear and read exactly what I need to read. Absolutely. But I'm telling you that, that we need to get God's word in our life, and then we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. It, it, 
Being led by God is not just for preachers and missionaries and Sunday school teachers. Every Christian can hear the voice of God, be led by the Holy Spirit. And, and one of the main ways he leads us, very simply, is by his peace. So, so I've had major life decisions where I've been praying about it, and, and, and that's key. You've got to pray about it first. I've made a lot of dumb decisions because I didn't pray first. I didn't even bother to ask God. And then I go back and go, God, were you in this? Oh, you weren't. <laughs> can you help me out? <laughs> can, can you give me back? And so, you know, God's, God's so faithful. You know, God can, God, God can help you with the detours. Are you with me? The important thing is to go to him. But when we go to him first and we pray about it, he'll give us his peace. I've never known God to not lead by his peace. If something's God, he'll have his peace. If, it's, if he's not in it, I don't want it. And if I don't have peace about it, see, see, the devil drives through pressure. I've got to do this. This is what I'm supposed to be doing at my age. This is where I'm supposed to be out in life. This is how, you know, what I'm supposed to be making and where I'm supposed to live. And this is what I'm supposed to, and, and we're driven by pressure. We're up and I worrying about stuff and we're making life major decisions on worry and anxiety and fear instead of what has God said. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything, he says. And the peace of God which passes understanding will guard your heart and mind. I think it's the Amplified Bible says we'll act like an umpire. It'll call the shots. <laughs> God's peace helps us recognize. So, so it's very simple. As we're learning to follow God's direction, his lead, let his peace direct you. And the absence of it is usually, if it's not a red light, it's at least a yellow light. Some of y'all don't know what a yellow light is. It doesn't mean speed up. It means, I felt convicted by that myself. What was, ouch. <laughs> Acts chapter 8, one last passage. Jason, if you and the team want to. I want you to look at this. In Acts chapter 8, because we need to recognize when a door's from God. And, and, and it starts with saying yes to Jesus. It starts with saying, God, I want your will. I want your direction. I want to follow your voice. I want to be led by your peace instead of pressure. But then once we recognize God's in it, even if we're just 51% sure, some of us are waiting for it to be 100%. When I'm 100% sure, then I will follow the voice of God. Well, then it wouldn't be faith. <laughs> it wouldn't be faith. Uh, Acts 8, 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Philip's another leader in the early church. He's an evangelist. He's telling people about Jesus. He goes to a town in Samaria. A revival breaks out. All these people get saved, healed, delivered. It's awesome. And an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip while he's there. It says, Arise and go to the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, just to set this real quick, Philip is right now experiencing success. Like, everything he probably prayed for is happening right now. Like a revival just broke out in this whole town. 
Now, now success is going to look different for whatever our calling is. Ultimately, it's to see people know Jesus. But, but wherever you're at in your season of life, there's certain things that you go, I've arrived in this area. Like this is, this is good. And then all of a sudden, God begins to lead you into something new. And for Philip, it looked like this. Look at the bottom of that verse. It's desert. <laughs> I've lived in the desert. I grew up in the desert. Um, most people don't willingly choose the desert. But the Lord said to him, I want you to go this direction. I want you to, and, and so he goes, and it's desert. It's naturally inhospitable. The conditions don't make sense. But verse 27, he arose and he went. See, the key to experiencing what God has through that door is you've got to, you've got to walk through it. <laughs> What's the old hymn? Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but trust and obey. Just to, just to respond to God when he opens the door to actually step through it and respond. And I believe God this year is going to provide opportunities. Whether they're big or whether they're small. And there's going to be God moments. There's going to be people God brings into your life and into your path that's an open door. But you've got to walk through it. Philip goes and there's one man. Not a whole city. One man. Who happened to be a man of Ethiopia who had great authority under the queen of the Ethiopians. He had charge of our, all her treasury and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was on his way back home, and he was sitting in his chariot, and he was actually reading the Bible in Isaiah 53. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Now, he's going to lead this man to Jesus. He's going to walk up, and this guy just happens to be reading exactly what he needs to be reading to stir up his heart, to open him to the gospel. And, and, and in... Scholars believe Ethiopia has one of the oldest Christian churches in the entire world. And it started with this one man. I have friends of mine who are Ethiopian pastors. I've seen revival break out all throughout Ethiopia. They've seen God move. It started with Philip listening to God. Okay, God, you're shutting this door. I'm going to trust you. Where's the next door? And he opens the door, and it looks like just one guy. It just looks like one man. But it just happens to be exactly what's going to change a nation. <laughs> Go near and overtake. Would you stand to your feet? Right after Jesus talked to the Philadelphian church about setting an open door, he then speaks to the last of seven churches that he's speaking to in Revelations chapter 2 and 3. And the next one is the church of the Laodiceans. Laodicea's name means to please the people. And the problem for the Laodiceans, among many things, is they had the poison of indifference towards God. They were a church. They had activity. They had the form of a church. But as Jesus comes to them, 
He says, Behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. What a sad description of that church that while they were inside, Jesus was outside because they hadn't opened the door on their end. They hadn't invited Jesus. They didn't make room as we sang about. And Jesus said, if anyone will open the door, I will come in and be with them. I love fellowship with them. What if this year the greatest opportunity wasn't just things that God could do in our lives, in our families, in our businesses? What if the greatest opportunity was to know Him more? And it looked like us opening the door in a greater way in our lives, saying, Jesus, come. I'm making room for you. I'm making room for you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to be out of here in just a few moments. Before we leave, I, I want to give you the opportunity. I want to pray for a couple things. First, I know it's Sunday after Christmas, but if you're in here and you don't have a relationship with God or you, you need to rededicate your heart to Jesus, you want to end this year right and you want to start the new year right, you want to start it with Jesus, you want to open the door of your heart. Maybe you've known God, but like the church of Laodicea, you've become indifferent towards God. It's not enough for God to open the door. Indifference will keep us from stepping through. Apathy will keep us from stepping through. Oh, heaven's got its door wide open for us. We want to invite Jesus to step in. For him to fill, for him to do what only he can. I've never once regretted a yes to God. Not once. I've regretted a lot of times I tried to go through my own door, try to make things happen on my own, through my own strength, my own wisdom, whatever. But when I found Jesus, I found that his way was better. And in his way, not only does he give me a home in heaven, but he gives me a purpose right here to make a difference in the lives of other people, and he'll do the same with you. You have a calling from God. You have a purpose from God, and it starts with opening the door to Jesus. If you need to do that right now, we just believe this message will be yeah, encouraging my and life. timely. God in my life. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co.